off with me tonight and let's go tonight back to Wednesday night and on Wednesday night we went to Nepal we went to Korea but as we went to Nepal we were told of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power thereof when we went to Korea we were led up to Mount Horeb there we saw a holy and a righteous God last night we were taken to Pergamos there we were told about the seed of Satan Tonight I want you to open your Bible to Revelation chapter 3. I'd like to take you to Philadelphia tonight, not Pennsylvania. But as we go there tonight, I want you to see something that I trust will be a blessing to you tonight in a very special way. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, and hold that fast, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, tonight we are thankful for the blessing of this week. And, O oh Lord, tonight as we go to Philadelphia tonight, I pray that you would speak to us, move us, and I pray, Lord, that we would all be willing to do what you've called us to do as we just heard sung. Bless now the preaching of thy word. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Notice in verse number 7, first of all, it said, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, I'd like to take you back just a few years ago, standing in this same pulpit that I highly revere. It's humble. It's a humbling experience to be behind this pulpit because we know the pastor who stands behind here is a man of God. Amen. But I want to take you tonight to Philadelphia and I want to remind you that the angel of the church, that word angel simply means messenger. And God's messenger tonight to the Heritage Baptist Church is Pastor Alan Fong. And so tonight when you come to church, you must understand that God refers to your pastor as an angel. Amen. We know that Miss Grace probably doesn't call him Angel Darling, but we do know that God Almighty calls him Angel because he's the messenger of God. God has given him the word. He's told him to feed the flock of God. He's told him to come up here and preach. He's told him to open the Bible and receive the message that God wants him to give. And so God wants you to be here Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. He wants you to be here every time the doors are open because he has given a message to the angel of this church. 
He gave a message to the angel of the church here in Philadelphia before the Lord Jesus went to the cross. He made a statement concerning the church that he was going to start. And the church, Jesus described, has little resemblance to many of the churches in the world today. But when you look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There we find that the Lord Jesus Christ talks about the character of the church that he's going to build. First he says that the church is built upon him. It's not built upon the pastor. It's not built upon the people. It's not built so that we can come and be comfortable. It is built so that the Holy Spirit of God has the freedom and the liberty to come to and fro and speak and walk up and down these chairs and up and down the altars and convict us and reprove us and correct our doctrine in the way that we think and bring it in line with the Holy Word of God. That's what the Holy Spirit of God so desired to do when the Lord Jesus said, I will build my church upon the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. For you see, the foundation of the church is the fact that he died on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood. He was buried, but three days later, he rose again. And that's the foundation upon which we stand. We have no gurus. We have no superheroes, but we have a king of kings and the Lord of lords, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is his church. It's not your church. It's not a pastor's church, but it is the Lord Jesus Christ's church. That's why he said, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right, when the Lord Jesus says his church is to be built on that wonderful foundation, he wants it to be, oh, can I say this tonight in California? He wants his church to be a militant church. Oh, I want to tell you, I'm just, I hope I don't get in the flesh tonight. But sometimes in Sri Lanka, I'd like to go on Amazon and order a bazooka when I see all of those temples and all of those Covilles and morning, noon, and night, those prayers are going. But I want to tell you, we've got something far greater and more powerful than a bazooka that you can order from Amazon, and that is the Holy Word of God. And that's the Word of God that the Lord Jesus once his church is built upon, he said, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Listen tonight, gates are not offensive weapons, but they are defensive in nature. The Lord Jesus Christ does not want his body to be a bunch of weak, need people. He wants his people to stand strong. The gates around his church tonight, if I can just say this tonight or not, to keep us all tucked in and to keep us safe. He wants us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He wants us to go to where all the pagan and all of the heathenism goes on and go right into the middle of it and open the word of God and preach and tell those people that Jesus Christ alone can save. That's exactly what he did with the church of Philadelphia. For you see, the church of Philadelphia not only represents a real local New Testament church that truly did exist, but it also represents a church age that began in about the 1800s. And oh my, what a church age that was. Oh, that's where all of the revivalists took place. That's when all the great praying took place. That's when we began to see 
revivals in Wales. That's when we saw a great awakening in America. That's when we saw God use evangelists of many names to shake at least two continents for the Lord. That's when they went into all the world and preached the gospel to every creature. Do you realize in this Philadelphia church age, they nearly evangelized the whole world in their time. That's exactly what the Lord wants to do in this Laodicean church age. But all that said tonight, the title of the message is Heritage Baptist Church, a church that hell cannot handle. Let's look at this tonight because when we look at the church that the Lord Jesus pictures, it's a church in Philadelphia that is a mission church. It describes what the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to be. You see, this church was active in the Lord's work. They are charging and they charge the very strongholds of Satan, the very strongholds of hell. They didn't operate on fear, but they operated on faith. And so literally the church that the Lord founded was a church that hell could not handle. Let me tell you something about that church and about the Heritage Baptist Church. There are three main ingredients about a church that hell cannot handle. Let me give them to you tonight. The first one is prayer and fasting. A church that takes time, that takes that discipline and prays and fasts is a church that hell cannot handle. I want to tell you that Satan fears and he trembles when he sees a church come together. When a day of fasting has been called and they come to the house of God and they pray, I want to tell you something that shakes Satan up. That'll rattle the very doors of hell when the people of God will simply get a hold of the altar of God and fast and pray. Oh, the second ingredient is preaching and feasting, but not feasting on barbecue ribs, but feasting on the holy word of God. Amen. That's why the Lord wants us to be faithful. He wants us to hear the preaching and he wants us to feast upon his word. But the third ingredient is power, power and faith. You see, those two cannot be separated God the Holy Spirit will only give a power to the Heritage Baptist Church as they put their faith and trust in him. Let me tell you something about the church at Philadelphia. It was an ancient church filled with many pagan temples. It was the practice in Philadelphia for citizens in that day who had served the city to have been honored by having a pillar put in a temple with their name engraved on that pillar taken to a graven temple, set there so that other pagans could come inside that temple and say, oh, so-and-so's been here. Oh, so-and-so gave so much money to the city. So-and-so donated this much to the temple. And there was a pillar made, and their name was engraved upon that pillar. Oh, my. Think about that tonight. Think about having your name engraved on a pagan temple and by the way tonight if you don't know Christ as your savior your name is engraved on a pagan temple it is engraved on the church of Satan now I want to tell you the Lord Jesus Christ wants to take that name off that pillar and he wants to give you a name that's written down in glory that outshines the sun oh when you look at the study of Philadelphia it was a city that was shaken by earthquakes Earthquakes destroyed the city in 17 B.C. In Philadelphia, and many, many of the people in Philadelphia refused to move back to the city. 
after their city had been destroyed by that earthquake. So they went out to the countryside and they first went back to the city to build and rebuild those pagan temples. Well, I can tell you this tonight. The temple of God will never have an earthquake that will break it down. I want to tell you, when we go up to glory land, when we go to heaven, nothing will ever shake heaven. Nothing will ever destroy it. There will be no death there. There will be no earthquakes there. There will be nothing that will take it down because God Almighty resides there and he oversees all that takes place in all of the universe. No such problems will ever affect us when we go to heaven. When you're born again, by the way, the Lord gives you strength. He gives you stability. He gives you steadfastness. He gives you security. And by the way, that security is eternal security. You can never be plucked out of our heavenly Father's hands. Oh, when I think of that tonight, I think of earthquakes. Think of how Philadelphia, how a church that was planted there was also wreaked to havoc when earthquakes shook their buildings down. But oh, I wish tonight that the Heritage Baptist Church had an earthquake. Oh, I think of three earthquakes in the Bible tonight that the Lord wants Heritage Baptist Church to have. First of all, he wants this church to experience the earthquake of redemption. Jesus Christ paid the price of our redemption on Calvary. And when he hung on that cross and when he shed his blood, he looked up to heaven and he said, it is finished. Hallelujah. When he did that, an earthquake took place and it rent the veil in two. You know why he rent that veil in two? So that you and I, so that every sinner on planet earth could come directly to the throne of grace and look up into heaven at the Lord Jesus without a priest, without a guru, without any more sacrifice. And all you have to do is say, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm a guilty sinner. Save me by your shed blood. And he'll do exactly what you asked him to do. Praise the Lord for that. But when I think of the second earthquake, I think of the earthquake of the resurrection. Oh, my goodness. They put him in the tomb. He was dead for three days. Oh, but on the third day, an earthquake took place. That stone was rolled away and Jesus Christ arose. Oh, the earthquake of the resurrection. Oh, but here's the one that I pray that Heritage Baptist Church, the church that hell cannot handle, will have. And we find that earthquake in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken and where many were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word with great boldness. That is the earthquake of revival. And that's the earthquake that we need tonight for God's people to have that revival, to be revived again so that they might know that he alone is God. Oh, God, give us an earthquake tonight. Not the kind on the St. Andreas fault, but the kind tonight that comes down when we kneel down on a chair, when we come down to the altar and we know that the Holy Spirit has bidden us to come there. And he said, I have called you to go to the fields in the 1040 window. I've called you to plant a church on the other side of San Francisco. I've called you to do that. Oh, that will take an earthquake to move some of us, won't it? It'll take an earthquake of revival to shake up some parents tonight to bring their babies down to an altar and say, God, you gave us this dear child. I'm coming to give him or her back to you tonight. 
Take them all the days of their life and use them for your honor and for your glory. That's the kind of earthquake that we need tonight. Oh, when I look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 through verse number 13, three times we find the word behold. Behold. That word behold means look. And there are three things that God wants us to behold tonight. Behold your opportunities as a mission possible church that hell cannot handle. That first behold is given to draw their attention to certain opportunities the Lord had made available to this church. By the way, the same opportunities are available to this church, Heritage Baptist Church. Behold, first of all, in verse number seven, the character of our master, because nothing else can be done until we all behold the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus comes to this church. He reveals himself to the angel messenger to write a letter and then to give it, to deliver it to his church. Oh my, how that happened. You see, the character of our master when he comes, he's one that's in control. He's the one who reminds them that their focus of faith must be upon him and that he's the one who is the central figure. He's the one who is the center of all glory. When you think of that, you have to think of his personality. The Lord Jesus Christ is holy. The Lord Jesus Christ is true. There's no sin. There's no deception in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can take you to New Delhi, India tonight and show you a guru who walks on platforms with thousands of people out there in the congregation and he takes catwalks and he snaps his finger like that and gold appears in his hand and he gives it to them to impress them. He lays his hand on somebody who's in a wheelchair and they rise up from that wheelchair and they begin to walk. Oh, I want to tell you it's deception in the first degree because I want to tell you what good is a healed body when it dies and goes to hell. What good is it to go to a guru and spend all of your money and put all of your faith system in somebody who is temporary, who honors not the Lord Jesus, but our Savior is holy. He is just. He is pure. That's his personality. But look at his power. He is described as holding the key of David. That's a reference to Isaiah chapter 22, verse 20 through 22, where a faithful man named Eliakim was named the steward of King Hezekiah. He was given the king, he was given the key of David. This refers to the fact that Eliakim had access to all the riches that belonged to King Hezekiah and to all of the kingdom of Judah at that time. That Old Testament passage is an illustration, though, of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the faithful administrator of all of the riches of the kingdom of our Heavenly Father. That reminds us that he has the power to meet the needs of his church. And when he calls upon his church and he says, so send I you. I send you to Nepal. I send you to the Philippines. I send you to Korea. I send you to Sri Lanka. I send you over here. The Lord knows how to open that treasure house. He's the only one who has the key. He has the key of David. He's that administrator. Oh, he has the power to do it. When he calls a church to go to a mission that we consider impossible, the Lord Jesus says, now wait a minute. Every mission that I'll give you is possible. I hold the key of David and I can unlock heaven's treasures and I can bring it down and I can make all things come 
to pass. Oh, I think of that, and I think of a Pakistani church that was born in Sri Lanka just a little while ago. And I know that the Lord was the faithful administrator of that. A bunch of refugee, Pakistani refugees, flooding in to Sri Lanka to escape persecution. Oh, how they had needs. They had need of food. They had need of clothes. They had need of shoes. They had needs personified. Many, many of them had medical needs. They needed pharmaceutical goods. They needed to see a doctor. They needed to go to the hospital. They had all kinds of needs. And you know what they do? They come to the missionary. They say, I have needs. Please help. Please help. And what does the missionary do? Missionary and his family gets down on their face. You know what they do? They go to the heavenly father and they say, heavenly father, these people have needs. Oh, Lord Jesus, take that key of David and unlock the treasure house and supply these needs. And indeed, just some months ago, the Lord did that. But you know who the Lord's treasure house is? His treasure house is Heritage Baptist Church. I don't know if you're given to faith promise missions, but I want you to listen to what happened when we called upon the name of the Lord. The Lord spoke to the angel messenger of this church, and he led this church to give in a miraculous, marvelous, in a great, significant way. My goodness, all of a sudden people had clothes. People had food. People had medicine. People could go to the doctor. Some people were able to move into a little shanty of a room and at least have some shelter over their head. For you see, the Lord's treasure house, the key of David is to unlock the doors of the heart of the people of Heritage Baptist Church. And that's exactly what he did. Oh, and souls began to be saved and people began to repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. One day we had a funeral. Oh, what a blessing this will be to you. You know what they wanted to do? They said the family back in Pakistan wants to see this funeral. I've never preached a sermon, a funeral sermon over Skype. And oh, goodness, because of your generosity, because of people who give to faith promised missions right here at Heritage Baptist Church, we were able to Skype a meeting. We were able to buy food. Oh, my goodness, do those people know how to eat chapati and roti and beef and chicken biryani. Oh, I want to tell you it's good, but it's only good when you start eating and you start sweating from all of those spices and all of that chili. Oh, it is absolutely wonderful. You don't think so? Just look at this. It has been a marvelous thing. But a church sponsored that funeral lunch that day after the Skype message. Oh, I was shocked when we saw the audience in Pakistan. It was outside. There were several hundred people. Most of them never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, not a clear presentation of the gospel, not once in their life. Oh, but by the end of that, when we gave the invitation, how many of you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Oh, I want to tell you, hundreds of hands went up, and through Skype we were able to lead them to Christ because the gates of hell did not prevail against Heritage Baptist Church. 
the people came and they gave and they fulfilled their faith promise missions giving and it went all the way to the field of Pakistan. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. That's exactly what God does. The Lord Jesus has the keys and he has the power to open and he has the power to close doors and the bottom line of all that is that the Lord Jesus Christ is in control of this church. He's in control of you and he doesn't want any rebellion. He wants full surrender. He wants full faith in believing that when he calls you to do something that he'll do more than abundantly than you could ever think or that you could ever ask. Oh, when I think of keys and the keys of David, oh, I think about his perception in verse number eight. He said he knew their works. He knows their works. He knows everything that the church at Philadelphia was doing inside that pagan society. He knew everything that they were facing. He knew their works. He knows when they walk through the open doors that he gives them. He knows that sometimes those doors close and people get afraid. Some years ago, we went to the immigration in Sri Lanka because we were only getting temporary visas to stay there. And I went into the deputy controller of immigration, the second man from the top, and he looked at me and he said, you again. He said, why do you put your family through this? And he saw my wife and he saw our children. He said, why do you put your children through this? You have a wonderful home in America. Like, how does he know? But he said, why do you do this? He said, I can't give you another visa. I've given you all the visas that I can possibly can. Go, go, go. You know what I did? I went and told on him. My family and I went home and we told on him. Just like my sister used to do to me when we were growing up. She was always telling on me. We went home. We got on our knees. And we went to the one who had the keys of David. We said, Lord Jesus, you called us here. You heard that man. He's your servant. And he said, he'll not give us another visa. But what thus saith the Lord? The Lord laid it on my heart to go to the top man. We went to the top man, the controller of immigration, sat down with him, found out in a short conversation that he was a Methodist, and told him what I was after and what I was looking for. We were completely honest with him. And he said, well, there's really not much I can do. But he said, I can do this. I can give you six months. And he took our passports and put six months in there. You say, well, that's not much. Well, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you, the one who holds the key of David told him to do that. Because at the end of that six months, we had to leave the country. And a good friend of your pastor's called us to come for a conference in Hong Kong. We had a meeting there. And there, the Lord revealed some things to us that the Lord is taking and molding and making missionaries. And he allows them to go through trials. He doesn't give them everything they ask for because the Lord will never use a family. He'll never use the husband. He'll never use the wife. He'll never use the children unless they're broken for him and fall on their face and have full, complete dependence on him. No, oh, I want to tell you that's why he didn't give a permanent visa. 
That's why he didn't give a long one. He said, you're going to face this battle again, but I'm going to keep you there. Just keep coming to the one who has the key of David because he's the one who has a key to every country in the world. He has the key, by the way, to the mayor of San Leandro. He has the key to the governor of California. He has the key to the White House. He has the key tonight to Nepal, to Philippines, to Korea, to Sri Lanka, to India. He has the key to Iran and Iraq. He has the key to Syria. He has the key. But you know what? Why aren't those doors opening? The answer is quite simple. There's no one there coming there who surrendered. Sitting on the pews of our churches, taking in all of the fellowship, trying to live a good life wanting to make six and seven and eight figure salaries and enjoying this life. Some of the people are pursuing one goal and that is to buy a million dollar RV and drive it down the interstates of California with the boat behind it with a bumper sticker that says, I'm spending my children's inheritance. And that's why God is not calling because some of the people are not conditioned in their heart to say we've got a world to win to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not willing to give everything they've got. Oh, I want to tell you he'll open any country because he holds the key, not Satan. No, 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 no. There's no pagan temple. There's no pagan government that can keep out the word of God, that can keep out of the sword of the Lord. That place and that person and that country does not exist because the Lord Jesus Christ has the key. Let me tell you the hardest door to ever open, and it's the door of your heart and mine. We can see a film like we've seen tonight that we saw the other night. We can see the paganism and the heathenism and the distraught, and we can see how Satan is wreaking havoc all over the world, and we're going like this. It's another missionary video. But it's not another missionary video. These are souls. These are people who are perishing without the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God, give us the key. The door was closed to Sri Lanka. They thought. But the Lord said, excuse me, I have the key. So behold, consider your opportunities as a mission possible. Listen, open doors come by surrendering to the one who has this key. I want to say this to you tonight. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16, throughout the Acts of the Apostles, many times he went through those open doors, but sometimes the Spirit of God said, no, I forbid you to go to Asia. Then all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul heard a Macedonian call. The Holy Spirit led him to go to that Macedonian call, and there we find the call of missions. And he went out there and he began to pave the way so that churches could be planted in those fields. So tonight we've got to behold the consistency of our mission. You see, tonight we're weak, but God has the strength. These people in Philadelphia, the Bible says they possessed a little strength. But remember what the Lord said to the church of Sardis. They had a reputation in Sardis of being strong, but the Lord Jesus said that they were dead. The church in Laodicea thought that they were powerful and that they had need of nothing. They've got the technology. They've got the way to please people. They've got the bands. They've got it all. 
that the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave them a rebuke. And he said, you have need of me. You need to have your eyes anointed with eye salve. Oh, but to this church at Philadelphia that was weak in the eyes of man, and it was weak in their own eyes, especially that church age. But in that church age, we find the greatest strength of any church age that we can find in the Word of God because they found strength through God. They were willing to be obedient. And the Bible says that they kept His Word. That word kept means that they took care of it. They observed it. In other words, the church honored the Word of God. When the Bible spoke, they listened and they did so without reservation. Listen tonight, dear friend, the Bible is the Word of God. This is the blessed old book and it's under attack today and many have left the Word of God. However, I want us to see tonight that the church can only be strong in the Lord as we hold it up and lift it up and as we read it and study it and go over it and ask the Holy Spirit of God to reveal what we sometimes call its secrets. No, the Lord is always willing to do that. They kept His name. Oh, wow. Think about the great possession that you have in your Bible. They kept His name. They were not ashamed to be identified with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not ashamed to exalt Him and allow their focus of worship to be upon Him. They understood what worship was. They went to their Bible and they understood that the word worship means to bend down, to fall on your face. Worship is not standing up and waving your hands in the air. That's not worship. Worship is understanding that God is holy, that He's holy, that He's holy, and He wants His people on their face, especially on the Lord's day when they come to the house of God to show that they're weak, but he is strong. Oh, when Satan finds that kind of a church, he realizes it's a church that hell cannot handle. He realizes it's a church that has taken a mission that, as they saw it, was impossible. But God made their mission possible. They kept his name. Hallelujah for his name, by the way. But behold, consider tonight, Consider your opposition as a mission impossible church. And the promise of the Lord is this, that God will defeat Satan. Oh, have you read Revelation 20 lately? Have you read Revelation 21 lately? Oh, the Lord's going to take that serpent, that one who has blasphemed his name, that one who has cursed and damned millions and millions and millions of souls to hell, and God's going to hang him over the pit of hell one day soon. And he's going to drop him down in that pit. For you see, hell was made for Satan and all of his demonic angels. No more will the world be cursed. Oh, what a day that will be when our Jesus we shall see when we look upon his face. Oh, that day's coming. The Lord Jesus is coming back. That's the promise of our Lord. Therefore, he's going to give us protection as we go along in our mission possible. Thank God, by the way, again, for the promise of his coming. Boy, there's days we wake up in Sri Lanka, you hear those temples ring their bells and say their prayers. Boy, my heart, what a day, Lord, if he just came today. What a wonderful day it would be. The church tonight, behold your obligation as a mission possible. For you see, you're obliged to watch your mission 
you're obliged, just like the church at Philadelphia, to understand two things. That the Lord Jesus Christ has the key of David. And he wants to unlock your door tonight. He wants you to come and kneel down and say, Lord, I don't know what my faith promise is going to be. Would you unlock it for me? Would you take your key? God, I don't know what your will is for my life. But would you take the key of David and unlock the door of my heart and show me your will for your life? Really believe that some of you need to fall on your face and say, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. You don't need to worry about it. He'll take his key and he'll unlock the door in his time. And he won't open too many. He won't frustrate you. He won't overwhelm you. Oh, he'll take you along. He'll guide you by the hand. He's also a God of peace. He's a God of love. He's a God of grace. He will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There's one thing that he wants from you tonight. He wants you to pray. Let me read you some quotes from great men and women of God who lived during that Philadelphia church age and how they prayed for God to open doors in their own heart and for the work and ministry of their world at that time. The history of missions is a history of answered prayer. Prayer ascends by fire. Flame gives prayer access as well as wings, acceptance as well as energy. There's no incense without fire. There's no prayer without a flame. Bear up the hands that hang down by faith and prayer. Support the tottering knees. Have you any days of fasting and prayer? Storm the throne of grace and preserve them and mercy will come down. Whole days and whole weeks have I spent prostrate on the ground in silent and vocal prayer. Prayer is the mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. Prayer is not the preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. Almost everyone believes that prayer is important. But there's a difference between believing that prayer is important and believing it is essential. Essential means that there are things that will not happen without prayer. Let me say this tonight, Heritage Baptist Church, church that hell cannot handle. Nothing's going to happen tonight, tomorrow and Sunday by God's grace unless we go to the Lord in prayer. Let me tell you a good time to come down to an altar and fall on your face and pray. Do it when you don't feel like it. Do it when you don't think that there's any need. Do it when you don't think there's a purpose. Do it when you don't think you're being led and come down to an altar. Oh, I want to tell you something. You'll defeat Satan. This church will be a church that hell cannot handle.